Maybe you can hear a little twang in my voice on occasion, a little accent that I picked up in my growing up years in Kentucky. I grew up in Lexington, Kentucky, and there were three religions, and there still are. One is dying, it's called tobacco. One is soaring, it's called bourbon. And one has been there forever and continues to own the state, and it's called basketball. This is Leadership Pathway, Episode 3 on Coaching, and I'm Dave Miller. I hated my coaches in the fall. Every fall, August, September, October, I remember the gymnasiums. I remember the smell of those gyms. I remember something called sevens, where you had to run down and back seven times. Touching the lines. I remember something called suicides and these defensive drills where you slid your feet from side to side. And I remember on occasion vomiting because I was not in shape in August and September. I hated my coaches. No matter how good I would show up in ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, having run in the summer and conditioned, my coaches would get more out of me than I would get out of myself. And I did not like that. But I also recall in March losing, of course, as we always did in the tournament, and crying and hugging their neck and wishing the season would go on and on because actually I loved my coaches. Coaches get more out of us than we could ever get out of ourselves alone. Coaches make us do things that we would never do if we were left to our own devices. I don't know if you're a golfer, a basketball player, if you play soccer, But a coach will make you grip the golf club differently to get the the hitch out of your swing. A coach will make you do weird things with your shot form when you're shooting a foul shot if you are not a good foul shooter. And we need to apply similar lessons to those who are just beginning in ministry leadership in their 20s. I would say It's interesting to me that most people I've been around who think about hiring a coach, they don't do so until they're in their 30s or 40s. They're in a position at a church or an organization where they can afford it, where it's in their budget. They get leadership development as part of their compensation package. I would say one of the disruptive things that we've got to start doing is handing people a coach from day one, honestly, before they're even full-time, while they're still an intern or a resident, as we like to talk about at Leadership Pathway. The youngest among us have the most potential. Sean Bedeer, who works with us at Leadership Pathway, is uh, he does fantasy football. I don't do it, but he talks about the floor and the ceiling as he's, as he's interviewing and recruiting and talking to Leadership Pathway residency candidates. He talks about the ceiling of potential and raising the floor of training. And I guess he got that language from from fantasy football and baseball. But we need to begin the earliest parts of our ministry journey with a coach. We also need mentors. We also need people discipling us. We need trainers. We need education. We need to be spiritually developed. We need all of that, and it appears as though we're pretty good in a, lot of those, in a lot of those areas. But where are we not as proficient, it seems like, is in the area of coaches. 
So if you're wondering who's the next you, if you're wondering why it's difficult to find hireable and highly desired talent on your church staff, my challenge would be you're going to have to grow your own. And one of the key fundamental ingredients that you're going to have to have to grow your own is a coach from the earliest days for the youngest. And it's an investment. It's really not that big of an investment of money. I think a lot of churches that work with Leadership Pathway ask about the money going in, but by the sixth month, they're not asking about the money at all, but we're talking about the time that it takes. The time that it takes to coach, and especially the youngest among us. You know, we deal with the the best and brightest, really. I read the articles about Gen Z and millennials and you know, how bad they all are, but uh, the people writing those articles must not be around the millennials and the Gen Z people that I'm around because we deal with the best and we deal with the brightest. But I would say, even though they love Jesus and want to change the world and want to be a youth pastor, they've still been parented in 2019 and 2020, and they've been raised in a in an environment where they don't come front-loaded with a lot of the same values and systems and ways of thought that maybe you in your generation, if you're a buster or a boomer, that you feel like you came with. I would also contend we weren't that much better than they are today. It's just we don't have record of all of it. In the 90s, I wasn't taking pictures with a lens pointed towards me and putting it out for the world to see. I wasn't shooting video of every a waking moment of my life with a camera lens pointed toward me. If I had, I probably wouldn't be on this podcast because I was an idiot, probably like you. So coaching many, many times, these, these amazing churches we partner with, they say by the sixth or the ninth month, I feel like I'm parenting this individual. And I would say probably We call it coaching. We don't call it parenting because I don't want to confuse people as to what we need. We just need people who are speaking in to the youngest in the earliest days, from the beginning, getting more out of them, putting up the mirror, risking friendship to help them be better. This is Leadership Pathway. You can check out all sorts of things on our blog that speak to these topics at leadershippathway.org. Till next time, I'm Dave Miller.